Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody, welcome back to the People First, Then Profit podcast. I haven't seen you all week. Great to have you here. I am joined today by uh, a person who has more titles than I can count that are all unbelievably creative, which isn't surprising because she's a marketing maven, marketing expert, copyright -er. Her name is Emily. I'm so happy to have her here with me today. Hi, Emily. Howdy. Howdy. I get to say that because you're from Texas. I am. Howdy, y'all. Y'all. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, you can. <laughs> we were having a conversation a moment ago, folks. If you're in the South, you recognize and realize that ma'am is a sign of respect, not age. So don't be offended when uh, the person that checks you out at the grocery store says ma'am. It's respect. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about uh, customers. We're going to talk about how do we solve problems. Emily's been doing this for 20 years. I'm going to read her bio. I only do that so that you guys know that I'm literally reaching out into the stratosphere of business to try to find people that have successfully navigated the things you're struggling with and that they're going to bring those knowledge and the secrets to you. So okay if I read your bio, Emily? Go for it. Here we go. Emily has been a marketing mentor, brand stylist, website whisperer, and SEO wizard for courageous entrepreneurs for the last 20 years. She also co-owns a manufacturing company with her husband and has been homeschooling her children since 2011. I love your bio. I love that you put courageous entrepreneurs in there because if somebody comes to you as a client, they can't not be courageous. Mm -hmm. You draw out bravery, courage, authenticity in your clients. True story? True story. And I think that the one thing that kind of ties all entrepreneurs together is that they're brave. Like it, it, it's brave to step out on your own and be your own thing, do your own thing, have your own business. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of vulnerability. And so you got to have courage to do that. And one of the things that I've recently found saying to my clients is just because you own your own business doesn't mean you have to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. And that's why we find people like you that are problem solvers, trailblazers, people that have been through it before. And before we get into the, the three topics, the three sort of talking points that we had set aside, I need to know where the title of your company comes from. We haven't said it, although it's the title of the podcast episode, Tiny Giant Marketing. I love it. It's almost like a dad joke. It is a unbelievable, cute, adorable, like jumbo shrimp, tiny giant. I love it. Where did it come from? Well, it has kind of three meanings. So it's a little bit of a story. The first meaning is that I think small business owners are like tiny giants. I mean, they, they make a big impact, even if they're on their own, you don't have to have this gigantic corporate presence in order to have a huge impact on the people around you. And I think we should embody that as business owners. Like if you even change one life, mm -hmm. that's an amazing thing. So that's a tiny giant impact. 
And then secondarily, when it comes to marketing, small little efforts can make big changes in your business. So you don't have to have this giant funnel with this giant ad budget. You can still make a huge impact doing small little marketing efforts. And then the last part of the story actually has to do with what was going on in my life when I created this brand. And that was that um, my son was battling cancer and he was six years old when he was diagnosed. And that was the genesis of this online business for me. I had had several local businesses that were very successful and I kind of had to reinvent myself. And he was the, hmm, the inspiration for me to fully take my business online. And he was my tiny giant, my, my shining star, my, my superhero. And he was really kind of the catalyst for this change. And I think that it's a change that a lot of people have been forced to make in the last year. And I hopefully that you can kind of relate to that feeling of having to do a reinvention of your business. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. It's been this, this, this year has been real period, like just for so many people. Although I have to say that when I hear stories like yours that you so bravely share uh, about you and your son and your family and, and the need and the want to change your business in order to live that life, mm-hmm. to, to help your son with that battle, it reminds us of the relativity of life. And typically that means no matter how real my life is, I'm still doing a lot better than the position some people are placed in as far as just the the uphill battle they have to climb. I love the three stories. I love that it is both professional and personal for you because it speaks to what we just talked about, Emily, and the fact that you need courageous clients because you yourself have walked that courageous path. And so you're going to be the best person in the planet to advise them. And if somebody comes to you and is like, I mean, I'm kind of into it. I mean, I kind of want to do it. I mean, I'm kind of scared. You're kind of going to be like all in or all out. Let's go. Let's I can help go. you do it. I think everybody has internally what they need. They just need the right person to help bring it out. And when you have that support, that mentorship, you can be more authentically true to who you are. You can have that courage to take the next step because you cannot have courage without fear. If you're afraid, then that's when the courage comes into play. If you're not afraid at all, then what you're asking of yourself is maybe too easy. <laughs> And that's been a tenant on this show and in some of my coaching sessions and in my coaching group, right? Whether it's one-on-one or group, I typically can look at someone and say, listen, are, are, do you, do you feel the fear? Is it there? Do you feel it? Cause if not, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah. Fear is right? just a guide. It's a friend. Like when I'm afraid, I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> you were showing me the way this is the path. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's hard for people. I think that haven't embraced that right? They feel like fear is something you, you need to shy away from or remove from your life, right? People are like, I want to be fearless. It's hard to be fearless. And if you're fearless, maybe you're not pushing hard enough. And so it's more, uh, I did a, a, a video and then I have an accompanying worksheet that talks about welcoming the fear. Welcome it, open the door, let it in, sit it down and then be like, you just stay right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you go about your day, but trying to push it off. Not so good. Love everything about the concept of tiny giant marketing. Uh, tell me, uh, your son now is past he's in remission and doing well. Yes. We are five years off treatment. So he's going to be turning 16 this year. He's amazing. He's a teenager. He's a beautiful human. 
I just, I can't see enough good things about him. <laughs> well, that's not altogether surprising. He's your offspring. You're an amazing and a wonderful person. I'll tell you that one of the things that I love the most about my wife is she had a tough upbringing. She had some things that happened. She has always understood the relativity of life. And I think that the one positive, tiny little thing that we might be able to take from the struggles that we do go through in life is I'll bet you none of that stuff really matters. You understand the relativity of all you're like, Hey, you're a teenager, you're a teenager's teenage on, they just do their thing. And so mm -hmm. congratulations on that. Congratulations on, on, um, overcoming that. Let's talk about your talking points because as a marketing maven, SEO wizard, you told me that people pay you to solve problems. They buy the end result. What does that mean to you and your clients? So can we like talk like 90 kids for 90s kids for a minute? Yeah. Cause we all play video games growing up and yeah. we probably all play Mario and yeah. you remember Mario mm -hmm. chugging along and he hits, you know, those little things that make him give him superpowers. Yep. And sometimes when we're in our business, we try and market that thing, that mm -hmm. the thing itself, instead of what Mario becomes after he gets it. So when he gets that flower and he's shooting the fireballs, mm -hmm. the end result, that's what people buy. They want the end result. And we get so obsessed with our thing, our mm -hmm. vehicle, that we don't talk about the problems that we solve for people and what life will look like for them when they get there. And I think sometimes that's like an insecurity. Well, if I just say like how many hours you get or how many lessons you get or, you know, what, what everything includes, and that's going to convince someone to buy, but people don't buy because of the features they mm -hmm. buy because they have that vision of what they can have, what they can be, what they can do. And that's what we have to be selling. Listen, if you're going to make a salient point, that's going to make my business life better and do so by talking to me about super Mario brothers. <laughs> I, you're I, as if I wasn't a fan before. I, I love that. And if we, you can use the flower, you can use the mushroom, right? I always loved the little noise that he makes when he gets those things. So when he eats the mushroom and he grows three sizes and becomes uh -huh. big, you're a hundred percent right. I don't care if it's a mushroom, an onion, a turn. I don't care what he's eating. It's that he gets bigger and stronger. And I know that if I, if I run into the spike or if I do the thing, I'm not going to die right away. I'm stronger. I'm more resilient and I can, I can move on. Right. And so what a cool way to think about it because we do get focused on download my this, buy my that, when it should be transform your life by accomplishing blank. Mm -hmm. And then here's how to do it. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah, absolutely. And it also takes the pressure off of you. Sometimes marketers were like, so we're so scared of being seen because we're worried it's all about us, but I mean, it's the thing, like the problem, what problem are you solving? Focus on that. Take the flashlight off you and point it on your client because they have a dream. They know what they want. And if we can just show them that we can help them get it, then it doesn't, it's not so much about us anymore. And we can feel a little bit more confident and, and be able to step into that courage a little bit more. So let's go off script for a tiny second. When you say, take the, sh the pressure off me, shine the light on them. The other thing that that probably does is we can all admit that when we're marketing or selling or promoting something, it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. Not everybody is going to download. Not everybody's going to buy. Not everybody's going to become your client, which it's easy to internalize that and feel like you are rejected. But in actuality, it's not the right solution for that person. It's not the right time for that person. It's not the right price for that person. It really allows you to sort of disassociate yourself, at least from the product offering, mm -hmm. right? Is that fair? Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, people say, say no to the offer. They may say, maybe they're saying no to the coffee. Maybe say they're saying no to the packaging, but that isn't a reflection of me as a person. Actually, this is one of my pet peeves is people say you should charge what you're worth. And I hate that because you're priceless. Dawn's priceless. I'm priceless. My worth isn't attached to what I charge, what I sell, what my income is. None of that. It's the amount I charge is only based on the value that I can create for someone else, period. Yeah. You could literally change that to charge the value, right? Mm -hmm. Because really that's what people want. They want value. Mm -hmm. They need something back. And that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, really fun sayings in marketing, but when you, when you boil it down, we're, we're talking about a human being on the other side that has fears and pains and frictions. And really what they're looking for is not the next great widget, They're looking for what that next great widget can accomplish for them, whether it be taking stress off their plate, making their lives more efficient, accomplishing some sort of revenue goal so that they can typically, and again, sometimes the revenue goal is not even the final thing. It's need to make more money so I can spend more time with my children. Like really you're transforming lives. Yes. Selling the transformation. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get on to the second talking point. I mean, I literally could talk about each of these all day long out of respect (laughs) for your time because you have a toddler and two other children that you homeschool because you're a superhero. You don't have your red cape on today, but you should. Uh, The second point was so important to me as I started to go through my sort of transition because of COVID and because our event photography um, business got sidelined, fail as fast as possible because that's how you find out what works is so hard for me because I hear the word fail and I think of failure and I think of not an option. And that's not the case. So tell me more about this concept. Well, I think most people are afraid of failure and sometimes they use that as a reason to procrastinate what they know they should be doing because they're just so afraid to, to think about failing. But for me, the one thing I've learned in 20 years is that I have got to hit the failure point as quick as I possibly can. I would rather have something fail in two weeks than in six months because it means I can move on to the next thing to find what works. And if you cannot tolerate risk, (laughs) it's going to be very hard as living the life of an entrepreneur because risk and failure are just part of the package. It's part of the learning process of finding out what, what works as a business owner. And instead of like shying away from that fear of failure, you should be like pushing towards it. You should be trying to get to that failure point as fast as you possibly can, because you know, there's going to be a certain amount of failure built into this process. And every failure is just a data point to help you understand what has to change. And so once again, you take a very large, looming black cloud of emotion and you basically create logic out of it, right? So if you try it 10 times and it doesn't convert 10 times, you have 10 data points to say, okay, that's 10 ways that this doesn't convert. Mm -hmm. And it could be that 11th that tractions that goes viral, that brings forth a great audience shift. And the other thing that I think about when I think of this concept that you're sort of bringing is the iterative process of what we create. And the fact that so many of us, myself included, okay, hi, I'm Don. I'm a reformed perfectionist. We worry about it isn't right. It isn't perfect. It's not fit for consumption. So we hold off and we never get those data points. And if we never get those data points, we can't improve. And so then we sit there in this cyclical nature of reinventing something that's never even seen the audience yet. 
And that is just, it's an exercise in futility. You will never grow or gain the kind of traction you would if you would just say, okay, this is hit its minimum viable need to be able to be seen by the audience and get feedback. Boom. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. I 100%. Like I, I am also a recovering perfectionist. That's what I call myself. And I know when I'm in procrastination, when I, I move towards the perfectionism and I have to stop myself and I've gotten better at that. That's one thing over time, you just get better at realizing in yourself is Mm -hmm. what you use as to resist the greatness. So it it is definitely 100% a a thing. (laughs) I, I will tell you that the two best launches I've ever done were conceived and created and published and sold in less than two weeks from start to finish from the germination of the idea to actually creating sales or getting the thing published was less than two weeks, the best, most successful things I've ever done. And some of the hardest things I've done were the ones where I like molded over and took forever and, you know, reworked it and reworked it and reworked it. So I think this is like a proven point for me that the faster I just get it out and the more I give myself permission to perfect it as I go, the better usually it turns out. And that's, I just, that's such a salient point that I want the audience to hear. Okay, guys, listen to the sound of my voice. Emily and Don are not giving you a permission slip to be like, eh, it's good enough. That is not the point here. The point here is this is a viable idea I came up with. I'm going to work it to a point of professionalism and it's ready for my audience. I want to share it with the audience because one of two things is going to happen. It's going to go gangbusters and I'm going to be so excited with all the pings and whistles of either Stripe or people joining and people downloading, or it's going to flop. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I can learn and grow from it. So it's a win-win, right? Yep. It's Always not, yeah. And you can't, this is not about phoning it in and being like, no, Don and Emily said, once it's good enough, just get it out there. No, you want to put your full faith and effort behind it. But this idea of architecting something that takes weeks and months and years of mulling it over only to find out that that's not exactly what the audience want, or you missed the moment as opposed to something you said to me, Emily is, Don, I think you're not meeting the moment. Right. And I really internalized that. And I thought about it. I thought, yeah, this is something that's going on right now. I should create an opportunity for people to learn based on what's happening right now. And if I sit there and I over-engineer it and overcomplicate it, by the time I get it out there, people are like, yeah, that would have really helped me last month. Thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) You know, which is not what you want either. So, um, great point. I think this also comes down to being willing to be a listener. You Mm -hmm. have to listen to your audience you can't create a product that nobody wants. And the only way you're going to be sure that people want it is by showing it to them. Mm-hmm. Like the market decides 100%. And it's not even what people are when people say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. The market decides when they actually pull out their wallet and buy. And mm-hmm. you can't get that data point unless you actually put it in front of them to buy. Yeah. So, you know, listening is good, but you also had to take it one step farther than that and actually give people a chance to take an action. There has to be actionable. Otherwise you don't have enough data to make a decision. Totally. Yeah. Uh, one of the, one of the Titans in this space, Stephen Larson, right? He's the irresistible offer guy. And I just remember when we were photographing him and I had not had a chance to listen to him as in depth as when he started hosting his own events over and over and over again. If you want to make more money, make more offers. If you want to make more money, make more offers. He didn't say create more programs, create more this, create more that. 
he just said basically create more offers. And then he, he walks you through the process of making those offers irresistible again, to the point of you have to show people that the value of the money in their pocket is not as valuable as the transformation or the problem you're going to solve or the thing you're going to offer. So there's, there's definitely some psychology and some, some knowledge, but his core was make more offers. And so, um, that's what you're telling us too, Emily, and I'm going to listen to you and we're going to get to your third point. Um, which I, I actually, I was kind of reading this and I was like, Hmm, I might want to prove her wrong here, but I'm, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna, but I think you're here for it. And that's okay. Radical consistency is more important than experience. Tell us what that means. Mm. You know, if I hand someone a shovel and I tell them to dig and don't stop digging and I tell someone, Hey, I want you to go take a class on how to dig a hole and it'll be two weeks. And you, you know, when you're done, come back and dig the hole. And I know you're going to do a really good job because you're going to know exactly the right way to dig the hole. No competition. The person who starts first almost always wins as long as they stay consistent. If they start and stop, eh. but if they start and they keep going, just keep going, they will win. It's like the tortoise and the hare, right? Same, Mm -hmm. same story, different version. Um, And I've seen this over and over again. People are so obsessed with gaining more knowledge that they never actually take the action. Mm -hmm. I can see that, right? So we try to perfect uh, decision-making. We try to perfect knowledge and experience. We try to say, oh, before I do this, I have to know all the funnel psychology or all the client offering psychology. And I agree with you that especially if you can do them hand in hand, again, you're listening to the sound of my voice, Emily and Don aren't telling you like experience or knowledge is useless. Just go. No, there has to be some psychology and a little bit of strategy to it. But if you're using those things as a way to consistently procrastinate or consistently give yourself that permission slip to be like, well, I'm going to do that as soon as I do this, it could never happen. Yeah. And you learn by doing like my, my toddler is walking and she didn't learn to walk by reading a book on how to walk. She got up, she tried to walk, she fell down over and over and over and over again. And so when you take an action and something either goes right or doesn't go right, you internalize and take ownership of that knowledge because it's physically in your body. Mm-hmm. It's different than reading something in a book. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I love learning. I learn all the time, but I learn primarily by doing. Mm-hmm. And by like carving those grooves in the road over and over and over to get it into my brain, into my body, what, what works and what doesn't work. And I think that that is really the key is that if people think they're going to learn them with their way to success, it's, it's a tough path. It's a Mm -hmm. lot of money and a lot of time to do it that way. But if you just start and start learning those lessons for yourself and to continue pursuing small bites and knowledge along the way to support that process, I think you'll be much more successful. I, um, I love the idea of, of knowledge acquisition as much as you do. In fact, my mother would say to me frequently when I was lacking the motivation or whatnot through the educational system or, or anything, right? Knowledge and education is something nobody can ever take away from you. But why do we do that? Why do we want knowledge and education? typically it's for application. And I think the fear and the struggle with a lot of entrepreneurs is they get in that cycle of learning more and learning more and learning more, and they forget about the application part of it, or they give themselves a permission slip that they're not ready yet. And 
part of that might be the fear looming over, right? And so uh, I just want to come back to some of the tenants we talked to at the very beginning. Part of why just because you own your own business doesn't mean you have to do it on your own, mm-hmm. period. You can create a community around you, join a mastermind, get an old coaching program, invest in someone's solutions, right? Because ultimately, there's no reason you have to hike that path through the woods on your own. Mm-hmm. People have blazed trails before you walk the trail with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. And I mean, some of my, my best business friends or people I've never actually met in person, like th- these people support me, like, you know, brothers, sisters. Um, and, and that's so valuable to have that relationship with other business owners, to be able to be vulnerable with people and tell people the truth, share your wins, share your losses. All of that is really important on, on that journey. Um, but the consistency of showing up, whether it's showing up to be in relationship with other business owners, showing up for your audience, showing up in creating those offers, even when they're suck, sucking and they're just not hitting and being courageous enough to push through what doesn't work to find what does work is what makes a lifelong business. And, you know, you don't get to 20 years as a business owner, unless you're willing to be consistent and fail and, go after what people really want. That's the secret. Like when people ask me, how are you still doing this for 20 years? I'm like, I just keep showing up (laughs) and not getting complacent. You know, the thing that I love about you, Emily, and and honestly, I didn't know you'd been in business for 20 years until we started to get to know each other. And so I started engaging with you and we started kind of helping one another. And when I hear 20 years, I think burnout. Yeah. That's about the time when people are like, Ooh, you know, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore. I literally would have been like, yeah, she must've just started this recently, like her fire and her passion and her consistency. And, uh, the way in which she approaches this is that of someone who's on fire about it and really excited about it. So I think it's not only consistency, but it's the contribution you make with that energy, with that excitement and not getting complacent. Emily and I, um, especially when we're doing large conferences, right? If you imagine walking into funnel hacking live 5,000 energetic, excited individuals, if we walked in there, we're like, oh yeah, another conference. (laughs) Like there's just no passion, no fire in that. And I remember we had the pleasure of photographing a drummer. Uh, he was the drummer for Foreigner in the 70s. You probably remember the 70s and 80s. You're, you're a 90s, 90s kid like me. Uh, it feels like the very first time, okay? Mm-hmm. Was one of the songs, one of their big hits. And he remembered being on tour and he had played the song thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And what he would do, he's a motivational speaker now, as so many are, he would do is he would imagine somebody in the audience that was coming to finally see Foreigner that they'd listened to for years and years and years and years. And this was their first concert experience. And he would remember that person. He would think about whoever that person was in the audience when he would play that song. So that he played it like it was the very first time he's ever played it to an audience that was just craving it. And I remembered that. I was like, man, I'm glad you're a motivational speaker because it's so easy to be like, whatever, and just go through the motions. And that's not inspirational for anyone. And so I guess as we get ready to wrap up and do our call to action and let sure everybody know where she can find you, thank you for bringing the heat. I, I typically reference your red hair and the fact that you have such a great presence, but I feel it. I feel it when you're talking. I feel it when you answer questions. I feel it when you serve your clients. It's pretty awesome. Oh, I think you're awesome. No, no, no. I think you're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> we, could, we could do that all day long for sure. No, I really, um, really love what I do. And I genuinely enjoy the curiosity of learning, you know, 
what an audience wants. Like it's, it's a game. It's an adventure. Like having a business should be fun. Yeah, I do. And I thank you for reminding us that I have to tell you that we kept showing up and we did the photography thing. I, I say with humility, we were doing very, very well. The last four to five years of our business was just insane growth and so humbled by it all. And then when we got sidelined, I have been, I've been doing a pretty good job of beating myself up about not being better at being good at trying to serve a new audience in a new way. And I've, as of recently knowing you and knowing a handful of other people, I'm like, that's not fun. There's nothing fun about that. And so I'm certainly not going to want to be that person in service to others. And so I've really been shifting it. So thanks for the reminder that first and foremost, be good at what you do and all those things, but be, be, be happy with it. Be fun. Have a good time with it. It's amazing. All right. So, um, one last question kind of out of the blue, but do you have one piece of advice or do you have one idea that you like to give people like, Hey, if, if you really enjoy this podcast, this is the one thing I would take away. One thing that you should do to, to take the next step. Just show up. Be to show courageous up. enough to show up and, and show up again and again and again and again. Awesome. It's the, it's, I, I love this. I think Jorge was the first person to say it, but I've heard it from a number of different people, right? Einstein never gave up, not Einstein, Edison. Edison never gave up. He never gave up. And he, you know, he didn't fail a thousand times. He learned a thousand times how not to cradle the light bulb and mm. ultimately one day. So you guys have to keep showing up every single day. One more reminder before we do uh, the wrap up, just because you own your own business doesn't mean you have to do it on your own. Find your tribe, find your community, find your people, have them help you, have them lift you up, go down the paths that they've carved in the mountain. No reason to do it harder or, or make it harder than it needs to be. If they want to find you and that if really is a when, you've encouraged me to tell people that tiny giant marketing on Instagram is where you like for them to find you. And I just have to say, and I'm not paid to do this. I love your marketing for obvious reasons. Your stories literally make me laugh out loud. I've had a few spit takes when you're talking about your toddler or something happens or your hair is inexplicable. So you guys want to follow Emily on Instagram, tiny giant marketing. And why don't I let you tell them about the gift that you're giving to the audience today? Yeah. Well, you know, my thing is implementation and trying to make things easier for people. So if you need help getting your branding in order to get your social media in order, I have a complete template pack that's com completely free for you. Uh, it's got 12 different brand experiences in it with three logos each. It has 20 different social post templates for each brand. That's 240 total. And that's 100% free and it can be edited on a free Canva account. You don't even have to have the pro version of Canva. You're just going to import it. You're going to open it up. You're going to edit it. And it's super, super easy so that you can just kind of get out of some ruts that you may have where you're holding yourself back and just get some stuff published. So if you want that, you can go to emilyfontes.com and pick it up for free. And I'm going to put that in the show notes because she has a beautiful name and I'm not going to spell it for you here. It's in the show notes. Go check it out. Quick link right over to her website to download that. I have to tell you that I used one of Emily's templates to create a PDF of how to uh, be a rock star moderator on Clubhouse because that is the newest revolutionary audio only uh, social platform that I'm a big fan of because it allows me to talk to people, which is one of my favorite things to do. It was amazing. I was able to basically unleash a creativity that I don't have. I'm not a graphic designer. I'm a visual artist, but I don't do graphic design. So you guys would be, I'm going to go ahead and say it be doing yourself a great disservice if you didn't jump down there and download that thing. Cause I only used one of hers, 
Uh, although I'm going to use many more because I'm going to go get it as well. Uh, the Canva thing is super easy. So you guys unleash a little bit of creativity. As we wrap every show, I do a lightning round. I don't tell my guests about it. So the look of panic on Emily's face is precious since we're doing this through Zoom. It's super fun. It's super creative. It's really easy. I ask you three or four questions that come off the top of my head. Um, I know that you're very colorful and that fashion and um, aesthetic is important. What's your favorite color? Blue, 100%. Blue, How could I blue, tell that blue. by your blue background, your blue picture, your blue eyeglass frames, your blue shirt? Uh, okay. Um, what is your, if, if you're going to go on vacation, is it beach or mountain? Beach. But favorite. I don't go in the water. I just like sitting on the beach. Which is funny because I grew up in Southern California and I'm all beached out. I don't like sand. So people are like, do you want to go to the beach? I'm like, I'll go look at the beach. I'll go sit and have a margarita up on the, <laughs> I love the ocean. Don't always love the beach. Okay. Um, favorite summertime beverage as we get ready to go into summer. Mm, I like a good Arnold Palmer. Little, love it. Little it's hard to say. Tea. I know. A little iced tea lemonade action, but if we got it, if we're going to go for alcoholic, then definitely a margarita. Margaritas. Yeah. So before four or five o'clock, Arnold Palmer's, but afterwards, <laughs> uh, Margarita, you got to come down to Texas to visit me. Like the margaritas, they don't do them halfway here. Like they're legit places where known for and world famous margaritas. Mm -hmm. So you have to come down and join me. Um, do you have a favorite brand? that like you look at their marketing or you look at their message or you look at the way they execute and you're like, Oh my God, that's my favorite brand. I, you know, I think that honestly, Disney somehow mm -hmm. like, because the way it makes people feel and mm -hmm. like, there's nothing that magical about the actual brand itself, like the logo, like people always think that, but the way it brings people back into their childhood, into their nostalgia, the way it brings people together. I think that the brand feeling that it evokes is mm -hmm. what makes it so magical. So I grew up in Southern California. I spent a lot of time at Disneyland. So in yeah. my, in my high school years, I spent a lot of time there. And I tell you, uh, when we got Disney plus and my daughter started watching Disney and she likes the new stuff, but when we reflect back and we do the movies from the 80s and 90s, um, Fox and the Hound was one of my favorites when I was a kid to sit there and snuggle up with her and watch that movie and to see her get emotional and think about the storyline and the method and uh, the, the morals of the stories and the themes. You're right. It was, is 100%. It brings it all back. It's mm -hmm. really cool. Emily, I want to thank you for your time and talent. I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience. The whole purpose of this podcast is so people can listen in and take successful secrets from entrepreneurs that are crushing it inside the industry and serving people faithfully. And you do all those things. And so thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today. Thank you. And you're welcome. And go be courageous today. I am going to take that as my permission slip and a nice gentle shove, let's just say, to being <laughs> courageous. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, at call to action. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for the People First and Profit podcast today. I'm going to have all the information to follow Emily to get that great free download so that you can start using those creative templates in the show notes, as well as some information about my coaching program and some upcoming things that we'll be doing over here uh, with the People First and Profit initiative. So thank you guys for joining this. 
with that, I'm going to have Adam Wilmer take us out of here. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the People First in Profit podcast. If you liked this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.